0: welcome to it's all about connection nvc with dr b this is our fourth time doing this episode so we're not having a lot of fun and ease right now because today we're talking about the epidemic of trauma not exactly a light subject not fun what Exactly, do you mean by the epidemic of trauma? Like when people think of the word epidemic or even pandemic, it's associated with medical illness. So, what do you mean by epidemic of trauma? How do you know we have it? How do you qualify and quantify something as massive and deep as trauma?
1: Well, in the 1990s, there was a landmark study done called the Adverse Childhood Experience Study. And it's only been in recent years that it's gained any traction. Many people now in education and in the mental health field know of the ACE study. But for those of our listeners that don't know, I will give you a very brief. Early 1990s, there was a sample of about 17,000 folks that took a survey that asked them, okay, from the ages of zero to 17, how many of these things happened to you? And they listed out 10 indicators, things like sexual abuse, physical abuse, Did you grow up in a household where there was mental illness? Did you grow up in a household where there was drug abuse? Did you grow up in a household where your parents were separated or divorced, where you saw a mom being treated violently? So there were 10 of these, and they would have folks say yes or no to that. And then they would walk away with a score from zero to 10, zero meaning no trauma, 10 meaning the most. And what they found. after giving that survey to 17,000 plus people is two thirds of the people said that they had had at least one of those things. And many of them said many of those things happened to them when they were between the ages of zero and 17. So the issue that I have right now with people talking about trauma informed stuff is it makes it sound like there's some segment of the population, those people over there, they've had trauma. So we need to know how to like work with them differently. And the truth of the matter, it's most of us. You go to a party, a small party. There's three people or six people. Of those six people, that means four of those six people have had trauma. People that have had trauma tend to respond in a very particular way because they need to create safety for themselves. Can you tell us
0: how trauma is related to NVC and why you say that NBC is the cure to this epidemic? That's a pretty bold statement to make.
1: It is a bold statement. But I back it. I back it for sure. Let me start with a quick story and a cliffhanger. Years ago, I was working with this young man in my program. I ran a restorative justice program for eight years. We were using the nominal communication process, teaching it, using it, modeling it, living it. And I had a good friend who was working with the same kid in the school district. She was telling me one Saturday morning when we were working out how this kid runs off of school grounds every day F this, F that every day. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I totally could see that kid doing that, but he doesn't ever do that at Community Connections, the program that I ran. And my friend looked at me and she said, well, that's great, but how are you going to transfer that behavior? And I was stopped in my tracks by that statement. In fact, it kept me awake for two weeks. Like I was waking up in the middle of the night trying to think to myself, it's right. What if we can't transfer that behavior? What good is the work that we're doing? After two weeks of thinking about that question, the answer came to mind, and I think I literally woke up, like sat up in bed with the answer, and that's my cliffhanger right there. I'm going to come back to that. So you're going to keep
0: us hanging.
1: Yep. When people have had trauma, they need safety. Their brains are actually wired to be on like this heightened alert for safety because they haven't had safety and we see a lot of these behaviors where people fight by yelling or raising their voice or saying obscenities or flight, running away or freezing. And this is all in service to get people safe. There's a part of the brain called the amygdala. That's what it does. It's, it's on this alert, like, keep me safe, keep me safe, keep me safe. So people that have had trauma, which is, again, two thirds of us are in this mode of like needing to have safety at all times. That makes sense.
0: I have an ACE score of eight, and I see it coming up more and more as I get older. You know, I usually stay in freeze mode in terms of
1: fight, flight, or freeze. What I appreciate. I well, I appreciate your honesty there. I think my ACE score is about a four. I've given the ACE survey to many people, adults and kids alike, and we tend to replicate the study's findings, and so. What I think is happening in our day-to-day lives is that fight-flight-freeze response is in play very often, but that we're unconscious to it. We're not realizing, you know, you go to a party and you don't feel completely comfortable. You know, people are talking and laughing, maybe laughing about the person on TV, and you're not maybe feeling so comfortable and you're not understanding why. And I think it gets back to safety and needing not just physical safety, That's really obvious physical safety. We know when that's in play in a room. But more so, people that have had trauma need emotional safety. That's a little bit more difficult to pin down. Can you explain to our listeners
0: what you mean by emotional safety?
1: In a nutshell, emotional safety is having an experience that you are okay just as you are. There's a level of acceptance, full acceptance and, you know, that sounds so beautiful and nice, but that's very hard to do for yourself and for others, especially when you're seeing certain behaviors in play. You know, you have a kid, let's say, in school and they're showing up, maybe like the kid that was running off of school grounds, F this, F that. How do we get what we need in that moment for the kid And also have safety, let that kid know that they are okay just as they are, even if they are saying F you. It's very hard how to do that. And then on top of it, people responding like an adult in that situation more than likely is coming from their own fight, flight, freeze response without even being aware of it. So they might say something in a particular tone of voice, right, or get shut down towards the youth not even realizing what is in play here is this fight, fight, fleas response over and over again from people on both sides of the coin. So emotional safety is how do you make sure that people have an experience of acceptance? And that is where the nonviolent communication process is so key because NVC, it's a language designed to keep judgments out of our interactions. If you can keep judgment and still be able to speak to Whatever is going on, but without the judgment, then you have a much better chance of there being emotional safety in the interactions. But most of us don't even realize how much judgment we have back and forth in play. I think we had that on our last episode. We talk a lot about the judgment that's in play. The thing that's so beautiful about NBC is it allows us actually to take the judgment out. Back to the cliffhanger about the kid, you know, that kid... That was running off the school grounds every day, F, this, F that. What dawned on me after two weeks of wondering about that was like, it's not on that kid to transfer his behavior. It's actually on the grown-ups and the professionals in our organizations to start to understand how do you really build emotional, safe environments. How do you actually take judgment out of your communications and in your intentions so that more and more people can experience safety, and have a half a chance of minimizing that fight, flight, freeze response, which was what that kid was doing.
0: So you really think that people can learn how to do this in a way in which we see less fight, flight, or freeze?
1: Oh, I don't just think it, I know it. I ran this program for eight years with kids from the juvenile justice system, and talk about trauma. I mean, you're talking about Some of the deepest trauma, people, lots of people dying, lots of situations where folks are starving, seeing their parents be very physically abused over and over again. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And yet we had this amazing level of cooperation and connection with the youth. Even the kid that was running off school grounds every day, F this, F that, because we taught and we modeled the NVC process. We used to think that people with high A scores were screwed for life. You know, you're going to be in this fight, flight, freeze mode forever and ever. But neuroscience now is showing that we have something called brain plasticity. So you can actually grow new neural pathways. And that safety part of your brain doesn't have to be on patrol all the time.
0: And I think what you brought up earlier about how the onus doesn't have to be on the kid. Everyone can take part in this process. And make it easier for for people to participate.
1: Well, not just easier. I mean, imagine if everybody knew the nonviolent communication process and we were intentionally taking judgments and keeping safe interactions all the time. Then that means a kid showing up with a certain kind of behavior would be responded to in a way where you could still say as the adult, you know, what you needed or what was troubling for you but do it in a way that could be received. If we were all skilled in being able to do that everywhere, in our schools, in our organizations, governmental institutions, I mean, we, we have that now even at, on the political realm. Why do you think there's so much disconnection and fear? It's because we're having it modeled, this idea of like, of judgment and disconnection, even on a political level, no emotional safety anywhere. So imagine if we rerouted all of that and had a different way of speaking to one another and it was everywhere. Now, people that were growing up with high ACE scores, now they're stepping out into society, but they're having a different kind of experience. And there is true safety. And it's being replicated over and over again. Every time you can help a person that has had a high A score to respond where there is not a fight, flight, freeze response, that's when your brain gets to lay down new tracks every time that happens for somebody. So eventually that kid that we were talking about will transfer the behavior, but he has to have a lot of experiences where there's true safety involved.
0: Every person you meet isn't going to know NBC, so they may not respond to you in a way that makes you feel emotionally safe. But having had that practice over and over again, having had that safe environment recreated, maybe he can, you know, take it out there and still have it regardless of whether or not someone responds to him.
1: True. And really, my goal is that there's more and more and more people that have the skills, more and more and more. That's, that's what I'm about here. That's the dream. That is the dream. I think that's enough of this Debbie Downer conversation for one day. But now hopefully people have a little bit of understanding of why NVC is so key. And I really do believe it can be the cure to the trauma epidemic.
0: All right. Well, thank you again, listeners, for tuning in today and catch us next week. You've been listening to It's All About Connection, NVC with Dr. B. For more episodes and guest bios, please visit us at www.TheBigBeeMethod.com. That's www.TheBigBeeMethod.com. And remember, empathy first.